Welcome to Backlog Books. In this podcast, I will be recapping and discussing what I've been reading lately. My name is Kara. Thank you for joining me, and please be prepared for spoilers. For Christmas, I was gifted a subscription to Book of the Month, which is a service where every month they pick five new books and you decide if you want one of them. If you don't like any of the options, you just skip for that month. This time I will be talking about the book that I got in December. I'm pretty excited. I picked my February books already, and they are on their way, but they have not yet arrived. I'm kind of excited to start reading more new releases. I very seldom pre-order books or read brand new books because of my you know, my stack of unread books from 10 years ago that I'm supposed to be working my way through on this podcast. Um, instead, <laughs> we're going to talk about this brand new book I got in December. This time we are talking about A History of Wild Places by Shay Earnshaw. Here is the summary. Travis Wren has an unusual talent for locating missing people. Hired by families as a last resort, he requires only a single object to find the person who has vanished. When he takes on the case of Maggie St. James, a well-known author of dark, macabre children's books, he is led to a place many believed to be only a legend. Called Pastoral, This reclusive community was founded in the 1970s by like-minded people searching for a simpler way of life. By all accounts, the commune shouldn't exist anymore, and soon after Travis stumbles upon it, he disappears, just like Maggie St. James. Years later, Theo, a lifelong member of Pastoral, discovers Travis's abandoned truck beyond the border of the community. No one is allowed in or out, not when there's a risk of bringing a disease, rot, into pastoral. Unraveling the mystery of what happened reveals secrets that Theo, his wife Kala, and her sister Bee keep from one another— Secrets that prove their perfect, isolated world isn't as safe as they believed, and that darkness takes many forms. This book was published at the very end of 2021. Our author, Shay Earnshaw, lives in Oregon. She has published several young adult books and even won the Oregon Book Award for her debut novel, The Wicked Deep. A History of Wild Places is her first adult fiction book. I have talked before about expectations setting you up for disappointment, and I'm afraid that I had expectations about this book. I misunderstood what I was getting into. I'm going to try to be nice because I don't normally read thrillers or mysteries like this, and it is a well-written book. It's thoughtful and a little bit spooky and probably a decent example of the genre. I just really thought it was going to be about, like, legends and fairy tales and, like, a magical 
community in the woods. And it wasn't. And that's on me for going in with expectations. Since there is a mystery aspect to this book, I want you to know up front that I won't be spoiling too much of that, nor will I be splitting this one into two episodes like I did for the faceless old woman who secretly lives in your home, which was episode six of this podcast. Stick around after the credits if you want to hear the spoilers for the mystery. This book utilizes several first-person perspectives. I'm kind of meh about multiple first-person point of views. I don't really understand why it's a thing. Spinning Silver by Naomi Novik does it, and so does The Scorpio Races by Maggie Stiefvater, both of which are books that I liked but I struggled with specifically because of the multiple first-person point of views. For A History of Wild Places, I couldn't tell much difference between the individual voices. The writing felt similar for everyone, and it got repetitive, especially at the beginning when everyone was thinking about how much they're lying to each other. This book dips its toe into the magical realism genre. I'm including a link in the show notes to a masterclass article about magical realism, but basically it's the inclusion of magic or magical elements in a story that is otherwise realistic and generally set in modern times. It's also about finding magic in the mundane, embracing how mysterious our world can be. Magic realism books vary wildly, but most of the time, magic isn't explained. It's just there. The genre has been defined by Latin American writers like Gabriel Garcia Marquez and Isabel Allende. It's often used to critique society, especially good old American imperialism. It also usually doesn't follow a typical plot structure or narrative arc. But again, this book lands more in thriller slash mystery than it does in magical realism. My problem with this book is that I want things to be more magical. Maybe I read too many fantasy books. No, that can't be it. I'm not the problem here. The book begins with Travis Wren, a man who can see into the past. When a book starts with a guy who can touch an item and see into the past, I sort of expect that to be a thing. It is relevant, but pretty much only in the first part, where Travis Wren, washed up, depressed, alone, is asked to look into the disappearance of famous children's author Maggie St. James. Travis made a name for himself as a finder of lost people, but he stopped since he failed to find his sister in time to prevent her death. Finding Maggie feels like his last chance to do something good and worthwhile with his power and his life. Travis, using his power and with a hint from Maggie's mom about a place called Pastoral, finds the last path Maggie took and wanders deep into the woods in winter. 
We smash cut to a few years later in the idyllic community of Pastoral. Pastoral started as a hippie commune, but all is not well in the woods. There's been a mysterious illness that spreads through the air from the trees. They call it the rot. It's highly infectious, and they're a small community. Fear of the rot has kept them in their boundaries for ten years, unable to go through the surrounding woods for help. They're so secluded that almost no one in the outside world knows where they are. Now, Earnshaw started writing this book in 2017. So any parallels with COVID and the pandemic are purely coincidental. The rot is metaphorical, too. The community of Pastoral has become more of a cult compound under their new charismatic leader, Levi. Everyone in Pastoral has secrets, and their leader is no exception. And like I said earlier, there's only so much of people thinking about how much they're lying to each other that I can really handle. Our point-of-view characters are Theo and Calla, a married couple, and B, Calla's sister. They all have fond memories of growing up together in pastoral. B is blind and knows every inch of the land by feel and smell. She is in love with Levi, the charismatic leader, but they're having an affair and it's a secret. So they're lying about that. I'm not going to list all the things everyone is lying about. We would be here all day. Kala loves pastoral. She feels at peace in the woods, living life without knowing what's beyond the boundaries. Theo, however, is restless. He's been sneaking beyond the boundary into the woods, risking the rot, the disease. He's been doing it for a year, going a little further each time, and he hasn't become sick yet. And one thing about all of these characters is that they were all either born in pastoral or brought there very young. So our point of view characters only remember life in pastoral. On one of his secret excursions into the woods, Theo finds Travis's abandoned truck and quickly becomes obsessed with unraveling the mystery it represents. Theo finds clues in his own house, a notebook with missing pages, indicating that Travis must have been there, even though Theo has lived here for years and has no memory of strangers arriving. It would be really big news in their small community if a stranger arrived, safe through the rot in the woods. A lot of the book is the tension between Theo and Kala, the sort of tenseness that comes from having secrets from your partner. He's been putting everyone at risk by going into the woods. And more than that, he wants to leave, to experience the world outside. Kala loves their life, and when she finds out what Theo has been doing, she's afraid he's going to ruin everything. But Kala also finds hints that there was a stranger staying with them. There's a charm and a book buried in her garden, a place no one except Kala ever goes. Everyone in town is on edge. They're fearful of the woods and fearful of each other, of their neighbors finding out any secret 
or admitting anything suspicious. The real breaking point comes when one of the women, Colette, has a baby. Her baby has a medical condition, and without care, without a hospital, her baby will die. Pastoral simply doesn't have the equipment or the knowledge to save her. The community is split. Many of them want to risk the rot to bring help back, but just as many agree with Levi, their leader, who says they should not go. They're committed to their town and their way of life, and part of that is accepting the dangers that come with living so secluded. I just want to put something in here real quick, that the baby lives. There are several people who die, but the baby is okay. Theo and Kala, spurred by their warring desires to leave and to stay, both obsessed with solving the mystery of Travis and Maggie and finding a way to save Colette's baby, they gradually realize they're not enemies— and they begin working together and slowly unraveling the story of these strangers. In the end, they face the rot at the heart of Pastoral and finally go beyond the boundaries of their little town. But the world outside isn't at all what they imagined. There's something compelling, to me at least, about stories with a thread of escaping from the modern world and all of its noise. The endless advertisements and everything geared to collect your information and sell to you. And there's a thread of that in this book, because that's how Pastoral started. But for all of its noise, our modern world does have good in it. And sometimes I think we forget that underneath all the noise. Overall, I guess this book was good. It's really not my genre, as I discovered, but I certainly read it in three days. I was definitely a victim of my own unrealistic expectations, which, again, I have only myself to blame for. But, you know, in my defense, the cover and the website I got it from referenced legends and fairy tales. So, If you like thrillers and mysteries and stories about cults, you'll probably like this. If you want more things like this, you can try We Were Liars by E. Lockhart or If We Were Villains by M. L. Rio. Or watch the movie The Village, which I was obsessed with when I was 12. Join me next time to hear about do You Dream of Terra 2 by Temi O. Have you read this book or next episode's book? I'd love to hear what you think about it. You can contact me at backlogbookspod at gmail.com. You can find the pod on Facebook at Backlog Books Podcast, where I post nice pictures that I take of the books that I read. The music is by Joseph McDade. You can hear more of his work at josephmcdade.com. Thank you for spending this time with me. I hope to talk with you again soon. Okay, spoilers. Lots of spoilers. Don't listen to this if you don't want spoilers. Have I given you enough time to 
like grab your device and pause it yet? Theo and Kala are Travis and Maggie. They have forgotten who they were because the evil cult leader Levi hypnotized them. And we know this because B finds a book in his house titled How to Hypnotize People, basically. So it was just hypnotism? Really? That was the only thing? He was like, Levi gathered the whole town together every week so he could re-hypnotize them. For what? I don't even know, man. Also, their escape plan? Theo works as the gate guard in the town. But they don't leave when it's his shift. Instead, they wait until it's the one other gate guard's turn. Are you serious? And then they go to the modern world and they're like, wow, it sucks here. It's like super noisy and stuff. Also, Theo slash Travis's powers went away because he forgot that he had them. Are you, ser- are you serious? What? And then like, They start coming back, and then he's like, I gotta go back to Pastoral so I'll escape from my powers. And I'm like, dude, that was the one magical realism element we had here, and you're just gonna throw it away? (sighs) I don't know, you guys. Thrillers. Not for me. 